0: Of the Lord Jesus. We're happy to be here this evening once again, and good to see you, Brother Kyle and Sister Christina, Sister Sarah, and Brother Simeon. Praise the Lord. It's a long time no see. Good to see you here again. God bless you richly, and I want to greet everyone that's joined with us tonight and locally and in the far off places. We just pray God will richly bless you wherever you are. Amen. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. <clears throat> Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing
1: the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace in the bright.
0: There's a shout in the camp tonight. And there's going to be a great big shout on that side over there, isn't there? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Wow, it's good to sing with you all tonight. Amen. Oh, my loving brother, when the world's on fire, don't you want God's bosom to be your pillow? Oh, my, what a place. You know, Brother Branham, he put it into perspective. I just love the way he says things. We have a bomb shelter like no one else. Made of feathers. Hey, Amen. Under his wings. Maybe we can stand together sing this song. Start with the first verse. Oh, the day. crowns at the feet of Jesus. We fall your name Jesus thank you Father brother Kyle could I ask you to come and lead us in prayer tonight we just have one prayer request one prayer request written in um, from sister Margaret Florent has a co-worker by the name of Pam Gill uh, asked the co-worker asked to remember her daughter-in-law in prayer a lump was found on her neck and she was just asking the church to pray that it would not be anything dangerous and that it would be dissolved whatever it is so we just want to bring that before the Lord in prayer tonight and just remember the saints around the globe we're going through perilous times difficult times but we know that God is our healer answer to our prayer and supplier of everything that we have need of and we're so thankful for that amen we can rest on his promises come brother kyle
2: amen let's just pray together precious lord jesus we love you so much lord there's nobody like you nobody even close lord we're so thankful for you, Lord Jesus. And we give thanks to this day, this Remembrance Day, Lord, just thinking of all the veterans who gave their lives so we can have experience a lot of freedom, Lord. But we're thankful that you shed your blood, Lord, so we can have salvation. We can have healing, Lord Jesus. Lord, we're so glad you paid the price for our salvation and for our healing. It's nothing that we could do, Lord. We have needs in our bodies, and you paid the price for that, Lord. So we believe, Lord Jesus. You're more than able to help Sister Margaret's co-worker's daughter, Lord, has come on the scene for her, Father. I'm sure there's many people right now that need healing in this building and that are listening, Lord. Little things in their bodies and big things, Lord. You paid the price for that, Father. Help us not thinking that our works can earn it, Lord the brother brenham said lord if he could push a penny down the road that someone could be healed he would do it but it would do nothing lord you paid the price father you paid the price for Brother tom's healing lord jesus and we're thankful for that lord little by little lord or do a miracle we love them both so lord may just take control of the service whoever is speaking lord lord give them a liberty help us just feel free help us feel relaxed lord The world is so loud and shouting and screaming, but sometimes, Lord, you're so quiet. So help us listen to what you want to say to us, Father. We commit ourselves to you in the service. Lord, just do something special, and may we turn around and be like the one leper who came back and gave you praise, Father. Help us not forget to turn around and come back and say, thank you, Lord. So we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name.
0: Praise God. You can have your seats tonight. And Brother Victor's got a special number for us, so we'll ask him to come and get ready. And while he's doing that, maybe we can sing, Falling in Love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. Falling in love
1: with Jesus.
2: This evening, um, wanted to sing this song. It's uh, I don't want to sing about myself, but I'd like everybody to join me. It's Bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. I'm sure, we all have something to praise God about, so let's join, sing this praise to the Lord. Bless
1: the Lord, oh my soul. i <laughs>
0: Brother Victor, he has done great things. Amen. The greatest thing is he brought us unto himself. Amen. Maybe we can just sing that tonight. He brought me in. He brought me in. Oh, how I thank God he brought me in. Look out yonder where I have been. But I praise God that he brought me in. Amen. Brother Michael, come on out. He brought me
1: in He brought
3: I was going to sing that one more time. Thankful he brought me and no one else. Looked out way yonder where we were. Says that's mine. I'm bringing him in home. Amen. Amen. Well, how are you all doing? Doing good? Amen. Brother John, bless you. Stellar, good to see you. Sure is good to see you, the Morton family. That was a surprise. I saw you show up on my list when I was getting all I said oh my goodness I get through the mornings are here this is awesome (laughs) wonderful my my well I will probably not sing much more than that thank you musicians well indeed it is memories day but Kyle mentioned it in his prayer I do I have a real soft spot just in my heart for those that served in the uh armies and they gave their lives over the many over the years and the wars. And if it wasn't for their sacrifice, we wouldn't really be here like this today, would we? Yeah, and I'd really do. And so we do remember, I don't see, I know Brother Frank, he's one of our veterans in multiple ways, and he's not here. Brother Frank, God bless you. I know that was a difficult, I couldn't even put in words what that probably was for you, and I know it's just very difficult moments for you to remember, but we sure, we appreciate what you did even in, for us here, and, and your sacrifice for the, your country, and I know we have other veterans that aren't here, different ones that have served in the U.S. side as well, and we appreciate that. I, I, there's a, soul, a song that uh, I wish I could sing because it's just it just kind of wraps the whole thought of, of Remembrance Day for me. But uh, if I had a big choir and a big voice, I'd sing it. But it, I'd just read it. It says, "Standing on a hillside where the river meets the sea, white crosses with no number." Lie in the fields of peace. And each one a silent witness staring back at me. Every cross a story of another place in time. Where young men thought it was worthy to give their life for mine. And for the sake of honor they left their dreams behind. But for the price they paid I'm forever in their debt. And their memory will not die. Because I will not forget. And the song chorus rings out. I will stand and hold my head up high. And dedicate my life to the glory of the ones who had to die. But the second verse then starts on another hillside. Just outside the city gates. The battle lines were drawn as soldiers took their place. And the father watched in silence as a cross was raised. And with freedom drawing closer. He took his final breath. And drank our cup of guilt. And took the sting from death. Heaven's finest soldier. Clothed in human flesh. And for the price he paid, I'm forever in his debt. The cross will never die, because I will not forget. Amen? Because we'll stand, we'll hold our head up high, and dedicate my life, and I pray your life for the ones that had to die, not just naturally, but spiritually. And I think of our veterans of this spiritual warfare that we battle, that we will always remember that freedom is never free. And there's a cost. Amen? Amen? amen we'll turn in our scriptures tonight kyle i was gonna you prayed let's just relax tonight i said i'm gonna even take my coat off right at the beginning because i need to relax tonight a little bit <laughs> my it sure doesn't get easier that's for sure we're gonna turn to second corinthians 5 verse 17 thank you musicians good to see you up here phil it's been a little while God bless you, our saints on the streaming. Different ones are remembering you. Sister Patty, prayed for you today. Just different ones coming to mind. We, you're not forgotten. It's just because we don't see you here. You're on our hearts and on our minds. And we are just remembering you as you're streaming and joining us tonight. We're going to just uh, take, maybe this is the, I, I think it's going to be the last of this mini series on grace. And I'm going to try and get to where I wanted to go last service, so uh, bear with me if there's a little bit of uh, repeat or just uh, rehearsing where we ended last uh, service and then just go in a little bit further uh, where we, the Lord hopefully will just take us. Uh, and so we're going to call tonight Grace Extended. So we started with Grace Abounding, Grace Uppouring. And no grace extended, all right. So just uh pull. This is down in the this is real down home tonight. This is right down in our everyday. And so it shouldn't be uh it's it's not too deep for nobody tonight, all right? So we're gonna start in Second Corinthians five, seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold all things become new. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Nothing of the old creatures left behind. It's all brand new. Amen. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now then, we, put your name there, I, Michael, am an ambassador for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. Amen. We are ambassadors, Amen, for Christ. Twenty-one. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Mm. Wonderful passage of scripture. I'm just gonna. uh, You don't have to turn to it. I'm gonna read it. But First uh, Peter four ten. Feel free to turn if you're if you're nice and fast, and uh, it's just a, a few pages over there. We read this scripture last week, and so we'll just read it one more time. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Amen. Let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we would be amiss, Lord, not to start the your word, you're speaking of your word, Lord, here without pausing a moment to ask you, Lord, that you be present tonight. We've prayed, it's been prayed, Lord, but a cow's prayed, Lord. I'm so thankful that we can never pray enough. You don't get tired of hearing our voices, Lord. Lord, thank you for that. As I'm sure, Lord, if it was as many of us, Lord, as I even pondered today, Lord, I'm so glad you don't tire from hearing me. Lord, and so we pray one more time tonight. Be present in our midst, Lord, that the windows of heaven would open. And, Lord, your word would just pour into the hearts, the balm and the salve, Lord, that is needed in hearts, Lord, the strength and the encouragement, Lord, for others. Whatever it may be, you know the needs, Lord, of your people. Oh great shepherd, Lord, now comfort your sheep with your word tonight, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. I am going to take my coat off and relax. (laughs) It's Wednesday night, we can do that. (laughs) All right. So, last week, we turned our cell phones off and everything. Last week we uh, we spoke on grace eh, outpouring, and we just ended a little bit on on the outpouring of of uh, grace that should then outpour of our li- out of our lives. And so I just want to step into that a little bit. I want to speak about stewards first, as we talk as we uh, the scripture says, "Good stewards of the manifold grace of God." And uh, so so thus that have received such an incredible gift, as we spoke about grace and its bountiful uh, riches have received his forgiveness and have been reconciled to him. Uh, as the scripture says, for uh, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift, just the unsearchable riches of, of this gift of grace we hold. Now we're stewards of this and we, we've been given something, you know, when you've been given a, this is a, this was a gift, as we said, without money, without price, there's no way that you could buy it. There's nothing, there's no way you could attain it. We've talked about your merits. We've, we've gone through this the last couple of services. Now, you know, when one is given one a trinket or something of very small value or something that doesn't, you know, hold much worth as you would say, a lot of times, you know, we would, we just wouldn't care too much about it and it would land somewhere in a drawer or in a table or discard it somewhere, eventually maybe even make its way into the garbage because it's just something of very low value. It just has no, no worth to you. It's just maybe disposable in some cases. But when you've been given a gift, when you've been given something that holds an incredible amount of value, you're going to treat it just a little bit different. right? When, and especially if something didn't even have a price tag on it. You know, you would be, it was placed in your hands, and you're saying, Here, here's this gift, and there's just not even a, a price tag on it. You would you would adjust. I'm sure your life would adjust in how you even live. Because now you, you have this, you know, just imagine if the Mona Lisa, the original, landed in your lap. and It's like, hey, you take care of this. Things would change in your house, probably. Just probably a little bit, right? Or if it says you now own this, that's even, you know, that's different. Now things would really change. You'd probably take out a really honking, honking loan against the, you know, the, what the value of this is because you have such this, you know, you couldn't sell it, but you probably could grab, make, get some money from the bank because they know you have the Mona Lisa in your, in your garage, hopefully not your garage. All right. But so there's, there's ownership and there's stewardship. And so you could own something, you know, own it's, it's mine and I get to do what I want with it. I own this. And and so you're the owner, and you don't have to report to nobody. You don't have to tell them anything about it. You own your possessions. You maybe own your car. You maybe own a home. You own your clothes. You you just own everything you own. No one's telling you what to do, right, Sharon? No one's telling you what to do with your whole wardrobe and anything. It's it's yours. You're beholden to nobody on that, right? And so you bought it. You control it. You say you control. I control even my own destiny. You know, I control that. Do you? (laughs) I don't know. I don't think so. Scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. (laughs) All right. So, we cleared that up real quick. You are bought with a price and you are gods, Amen. So, imagine the God. He imagine this whole not God. Just imagine a very large, you know, um, uh, estate or something. And there's just a whole number of of people that are enslaved, and and uh, and someone, you know, there's this, there's they're not free at all, and it's just wretched and horrible conditions. And someone comes out and he just picks them up, just just picks one out and said, "This is that one." And they come out, they said, you're mine now. No more, no more, no more slavery, no more, no more whip, no more nothing. And he just, just just picks one out. And says, now, puts a ro- robe on him, cleans him all up, says, now, go, I'm going to give you your life back. I'm going to give you everything that you didn't have. And now, you're going to be my steward. And he's given you what he's given you in your hand, his, that person's hands is actually their life now in their hands to be a steward of their of their life. And you say, "Well, my life." Well, indeed, we just read, read scripture here because you've been bought with a price, which is which are God's. You are God's, and so this gift of grace was it was given to you. It bought you. Jesus' blood bought you. In fact, Jesus considered you more valuable than his blood. He considered you more valuable than, than his own blood because that's the price he paid for you. So you are more valuable to, that he was willing to pay that to get you. Incredible at what he laid down for you. And so he bought you and purchased our redemption. More precious than his own blood. Let's just put up the uh, the first slide. There we go. So we're just going to talk about value here. Okay, this is the uh, largest largest nugget um, in the United States found. It was in found in California, 103 pounds, back in 1869. It's about two feet across. It's very huge. Very huge nugget. High value. High value. Now, what, what if you were handed this? You were handed this. You had to become... now. What would, what would you do if you were handed this valuable nugget and now you are to take care of this? Three million dollars for this, this, uh, things, like I said, things would change. How careful would you be with this? Okay. Now that's, 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 that's wonderful. This does not work. Oh, help me out. There we go. This is the, one of the, if not the second, if not the largest pearl ever, uh, Ever found? It's a It's about a hundred million dollars. This pearl. And what what if you have what if you've been entrusted with this, as as a as something you'd have to be, to take care of, uh, you know, you, you, things would drastically change. I'm sure I'm sure your whole lifestyle would change. Mine probably would. <laughs> what about this? This is another pig. Just to give you an idea how this lifestyle changed. He had to throw in a safe, probably about that big. That's a vault where that is sitting. Things would change because you're having to take care of something so valuable. $100 million. Just this one, one little pearl. Little. This. This is the, uh, one of the crown jewels. This is uh, worth about $400 million. Of course, that's an estimate because there's no way to really value it because it's not really going to be up for sale anytime soon. It sits in the scepter. At uh, the uh, in, in the UK, this is the, this was made out of the lar- one of the largest mines. It's called the, I believe the Star of South Africa. What would what would happen if you became the steward of this? And now this has been placed in your hands, and you now are you are now required to to take care of such something of such high value. How how much our world would would adjust? But you know that's that's uh, you know that can be mind-boggling even 400 million dollars but you've been handed you've been handed something that makes that look like a grain of dust a grain of dust because your soul is worth 10,000 worlds 10,000 worlds is what your soul is worth and i tried to even figure out what that could even be worth. The world right now apparently is worth about $241 trillion. That's what, If all cash and value and assets were, were piled into the middle and, and everyone in the world had Zippo and, and put their cash in there, about $241 trillion is apparently what that will be. Now, that's one world. And uh, if we put $100 bills um, together... $241 trillion worth of $100 bills, they would stack up almost 68% the way to the moon. Okay? Just put your dollar bills, not a dollar bill, but a $100 bill, stack them up, and just keep stacking them. $241 trillion worth would just stack up over halfway and not quite three quarters of the way to the moon. Okay? that's That's a lot of money. No? Yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's one world. One world. I, I couldn't throw the zeros up uh, on what that would be if I times it by 10,000. It just, just kind of go way in the realm of boggling my mind. But that's what your value is. If you could try and say that's a value, really, at the end of the day, your value, you're beyond value. Okay? You're beyond value. This is when God put his blood down for you because he put such a high value. And now this is what you've been given because he's bought you with a price. And now you are given back this life that he's given you and you are now a steward of this. How careful should we be with what we've been given in our own walks of life? Okay, stewardship. It's a man. A steward is a man that's employed in great families to manage the domestic concerns. So, if you're wondering what a steward was, here we go. It's this kind of the superintendent of all the other servants. He collects rents and incomes. If someone who had a grand estate, specifically in the east, during uh, as when the Bible and the Bible times and Eastern cultures, etc., they'd have a steward, and and they would take care of you know all the estate for the master, and uh, and he would be entrusted with what belongs to somebody, and he would give account on how he would handle it. So he had to give account on what he did and how he did it, why he did something, why, why did he make that decision, well, I thought this was best, I figured this would probably grow, take this asset, do it here, sell this, make that, build it. That's what he's doing, he's managing it all, he's being a steward, and then he'd have to give an account to the master and say, why did you do this? You uh, you lost money here, and you gained money here, and he'd be brought up short or he'd be he'd be uh, given accolades depending on what he would have done right and so we know that there was a a, a, a steward abraham uh, says about eliezer he was the selected one abraham had a steward called eliezer a trustworthy servant he'd been loyal and true upright just and honest these are qualities of a steward you are going to be uh, scripture says moreover it's required that in stewards that a man be found faithful Steward needed to be faithful, upright, true, and loyal. Just, honest. These were these were requirements of a steward. You surely wouldn't want to be putting, uh, you know, a high value estate into somebody that was just carefree, didn't have a clue what he was doing, wasn't honest, wasn't uh, wasn't true. He wasn't loyal. He, you know, he's gone after you put everything in his hand. He's sending. He's uh, absconding a bunch of your your uh, your money. That would not be a good steward, would it? And so. Eliezer was given a steward. He was he was a responsibility to go find a wife for for Isaac, and I was thinking, well, how much greater? He said, "That's a pretty big responsibility. Go find a wife for my for the son of Abraham. Uh, that would have, that would have been a huge responsibility." But I was thinking, no, you haven't been given the responsibility of finding a wife. You have a responsibility of your own life. He said, "Well, that's not that big a deal. No, it's a big big deal, because." The value of your life is beyond this, beyond, beyond price. And the blood of Jesus Christ paid for that. He paid for that. And so we're a steward now of what we've been given. What have we been entrusted with? A steward. Now we could, we are a steward of, of lots of things in our world. We've got steward of our possessions, what, you know, what we have. We're stewards of that. Again, if God bought us, If, if we're, if now we're stewards of, of what, uh, who we are, we're also then managing what we've been given. Right? Everything we have. It's all, it's all God's. (laughs) He's bought us with a price. Our money, it's all God's. Our body, it's all God's. Everything we do, you say, well, some of this is not really spiritual. No, but actually making sure that you have a healthy body is actually, yes, you're a steward of that. He gave that to you. So you say, well, that's pretty simple. Yeah. But that's where it's at. (laughs) You you need to treat this well. He gave you that body. Amen? Scripture says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So if he made you fearfully and wonderfully, I sure hope you're treating it fearfully and wonderfully. Right? Amen? It's our body, our time. We're stewards of time. You know, if I gave you $86,400 a day, every day, and, uh, I said, you know what, here you go. Here's this money. I give it to you and uh, it's going to disappear if you don't use it. So every day I'm going to give you eighty-six thousand and four hundred every day. And you can, you know, take the opportunity or lose the opportunity, whatever you want to do, you know, you probably, you probably would want to spend it and do it as, as best you can with it every single day. It's gone. If you don't want to leave it sitting there and poof, disappears, And I didn't do nothing with that. And gone again every day. No, you'd be doing stuff with that. You'd be doing the right things with it. You want to use that cash wisely. Well, every day God gives you 86,400 precious seconds. Every day. Right? How are you spending it? Scripture says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time redeeming the time because the days are evil. That in the Amplified says, making the most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence. We're stewards. This is what we've been given this. All right? And so we're, we're needing to actually run our estate wisely because we give an account. We will give an account. Amen? So that's, like I said, this was just going to be right down home tonight. All right, now we're not just stewards of these things, as we've talked about, and we've talked about just briefly some of these areas of our lives that we'd have be stewards of, or even if someone's entrusted with, with uh, you know worldly things or things like nuggets and, and pearls and whichever, but we've been talking about I'm wanting to drill in a, on being stewards of the grace and the mercy that we've been extended. the forgiveness that we've been extended. We if that has been given to us and poured into us as we've talked about, now what are we doing with that? Okay, we've been entrusted with this and to me, I just it was just uh, I just want to just just unburden my heart on 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 what we're doing now. How are we living that out? I'm just a touch loud side. Just maybe bring me down a bit. I feel like I'm yelling out at everybody. So to bring her down. So I want to I just I was just going to read a little account, Brother Branham. We talked about it on our first service on this topic. And proof of what has been poured in. It needs to show now coming out, being poured out of you. And if we're an ambassador or a steward, I want to just give you an example of one here. That many of you know this account. Brother Branham talks about how he went into this restaurant. And he said, now we can see... He walked in, and uh, the law itself turning around and playing those slot machines. He's talking about some police officers, or such that were in this restaurant, they were doing, uh, you know, doing things that they were trying to, obviously that was even was illegal. There, the same thing that the unbeliever sees a Christian acting like the world. Uh, this, uh, let me just read it. Now you can see how that degrades the laws of our nation, how that was in my eyes to see that he's talking about seeing this police officer and such in there, the law that we respect and should be upheld and see the law itself turning around playing slot machines. That's the same thing in the unbeliever, uh, thing that the unbeliever sees the Christian acting like the world. Okay. He's typing. He has got this police officer, Sitting in this place, running a slot machine, and he's saying, you know, look at that. This is the law itself doing something it's supposed to be upholding, and saying it's wrong. He says, that's the same thing the unbeliever sees when a Christian is acting like the world. The impression it puts upon him. And he says, okay, he goes, I noticed in the back corner a young lady, foully dressed. And when she came down to wait on tables, the boys, and the way they were carrying on, I looked, said, and looked, setting to my right, an elderly lady. Could have been my grandmother. Sitting there, immorally dressed, kind of blue-looking lipstick. Anybody know that a normal person don't have blue lips? But they had blue-looking lipstick on. And that manicure and whatever you call over her eyes, and she was sitting there with two old men. I thought, my God, how can you stand to look at such a down upon such? And when then while I was standing there looking at that, I was criticizing that woman. I was criticizing the officer in my heart. And the Lord called me behind the door, and I saw a vision. I saw the world and it turning. And we know this. We've heard it. I spoke about it. He said, I saw my sins on, and other sins going. I thought, oh, God, why don't you just blow the place up? How can you stand it? Seeing the sins on the world. In another account, he says, why don't you just strike her dead? This is what he's thinking. Or the whole thing, wipe it out with an earthquake, is what he says in another account. It's pretty It's pretty strong. But then I seen around the world was a crimson stream. And I seen the Lord Jesus standing there in all his pity and looked down upon the earth. And I seen my sins as they went to him. But his blood acted like a bumper before God. And we spoke about this. Then they could not come to him. And I seen every time I do anything wrong, his blood would stand between me and the judgments of God. And I walked to him and said, Lord, in the vision, I said, is my sins doing that? I said, then forgive me, God, I didn't mean to do that. He struck his hand in his side, reached over and got a little book with my name was written on it, uh, off, all full of sin, and wrote he wrote, "Pardon" across it, and throwed it back behind him in the sea of forgetfulness. He said, "Now I forgive you your sins, but what are you saying about that woman? What are you saying about that woman? Here one is, one mercy was extended to him." Mercy, when grace was extended to him, he's criticizing and saying, why don't you just strike her dead? Why don't you just wipe this place out? God, you must be just fed up with this. And he says, wait a second. I pardoned you here. What about this little lady? Now I want you to see a steward here. I want you to see what happens. Because to whom much is, much is given, much is required. Much is required of us. Now, Brother Brown, and he goes and he says, in one, one spot, he take her hands. He says, I begin to speak to her, and she told me a heartbroken story: how some things come up the church, and she was, she, yeah, she went out of the church, and she had a wrong, went on the wrong road, and two daughters, and they're nice ladies, and how she was there, and those two drunken men that afternoon. And I told her what the Lord Jesus had showed me that He still loved her, and He led her to Christ in the middle of the floor, and had a little prayer meeting right there in that little restaurant, and and led her to Christ. That's a steward of his grace. That's a steward of his grace. Amen. And that's what I want you to paradigm shift. This is what I've been given. It can be so easy to look at this world. We walk the same streets and we go to the same places and I can see and you see and I see how incredibly wicked it is. And we can have the same thought. Just strike this place dead. But God said, but you've been pardoned. What about her? Amen. Amen. What a feeling. I was so I uh I did I talked a little bit last week. It went through Matthew 18 a little bit. Just at the end of the last service and we went through the the parable there of the the uh, servant that owed so much. He owed so much. He owed 10,000 talents as we said. And he fell down and he worshiped the Lord because he's begging for mercy because he owed beyond what he could ever repay. And so he begged for mercy and he worshiped his Lord. And he said, please, no. And undeserved, nothing merited. The Lord said, it's it's gone. No more debt. You don't need to pay it. He let him go. And so the servant went straight away. And as I said last week, he went straight away to somebody that owed him a little bit, just a teeny little debt. And he grabbed him and he and he forced him. He says, pay me back. And of course, we're seeing a game. One that has been issued grace, one that was given mercy, one that was forgiven of his debt, and turning around and not doing the same, not being a steward of what he was giving. Not a steward is going to increase what has been given and, and, and manage it correctly. And he was clearly not doing that. And we know in the scripture he says, "In his order's wrath, when he found out that this happened, till he could, should pay all that was due to him, and so he was sent into uh, into torment and and uh, had to uh, go into." Debtors, prison, etc., and Jesus said, and "Likewise shall my heavenly Father also do unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses." This is Jesus. I said, "Wow, that is heavy." This is Jesus. This is Jesus' message. It's in the Bible, and I said, "Lord, if grace has been extended, my what are what are we doing now? Let's just get to our. Let's just get where we're at." I want to get right down to where, where we're at. We've got our own little lives. We've got our own little complexities. We've got our own interconnections with different friends and people and family members, etc. And you have been given grace and mercy. A debt that none of us could ever have paid Beyond value. It took the blood of king of kings and Lord of lords to come from eternity. That abounding grace that filled all time and space. It took that level of grace and mercy to come down and shed his blood to pay your price. What level of forgiveness that was. And so now we're going to have to turn that that's been then poured into you. How are we pouring that back? And so we've been given a commission as a steward of this gift now. And it starts right in our own, own very life. You say, well, that's just a little parable in the uh, in the scripture. Nope. Nope. This is now God's, the recipients of God's grace now must give grace to others. It's a challenge in in a sense that if we don't forgive others, is it proof then that we haven't really actually received the forgiveness from him? Because if you've received it, it should pour out. So if you're not able to pour that out, if you're not able to ish, give out that mercy and situations and that forgiveness, then has it really impacted? Have you really actually received that? Or on the other side, maybe maybe it's uh, to show that forgiving and giving out that forgiveness and mercy and grace is to show that we actually do understand. That's that is showing, because if you've been forgiven, as we said, much has been given. Much is required. The requirement of forgiveness is is incredible. It's actually, um, it's imperative for your spiritual walk to blossom. The, for your for for your spiritual flower to grow, uh, this this is a is a showstopper. It's a showstopper. Matthew 18, 21, 22. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? These are all scriptures you know so well. And I forgive him till seven times. Jesus, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. So people put the count on, right? Well, that's uh, like that's a lot of times. It's 490. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. We know this. He's saying as many times as needed. Like how many times did I do? Did I do this ten times? No, just do it a thousand times ten. Just, just, it's just like, do it as many as you need to do. Whatever it is. There's no limit on that number. Forgive him. Always, always. To forgive is to give up resentment. It's to pardon. It's to cease to feel resentment against, or to free from a claim, or to free from the consequences of an injurious act or crime. This is forgiveness. Most of us probably haven't had an injurious act or crime. Some might have, but maybe more more of us are in that to give up resentment realm or to pardon from something or to cease to feel resentment against or to free from a claim, maybe a certain claim on them because someone did something you have a claim against them for that, it's to free them from that. To pardon is to remit the punishment. You say, well, what's a pardon? A pardon is to remit the punishment or, or retaliation you were entitled to inflict. Let's pardon. So you're entitled to inflict something or retaliate, but you remit that. You say, well, let's remit. We're just diving deeper and deeper here. Well, remit is to relax in intensity or to refrain from exacting or to give up in whole or in part. So therefore, you give up in whole the punishment or retaliation you're entitled to. We get that? Pretty much, you just let it all go. There ain't nothing left there. There's, there's nothing left for you to claim. You've given it up. It's all gone. There's zero you can go back to. It's gone. It's forgiven. Amen is forgiven. Now, if you read the Lord's Prayer, and we all know this, he said, pray in this manner. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Next verse. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. This is the only verse in the Lord's Prayer he reemphasizes. He doesn't go back and say, you really need to focus on 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, give me so much of my bread in the day. I need a, little... no, he doesn't say how to reemphasize that part. He doesn't go anywhere. He says and emphasizes you must forgive men their trespasses. And if you don't, not neither will the father forgive you. I'd say it is pretty vital if he's going back to that spot. Amen. We cannot afford to not forgive. You can't afford that. We can't afford because if, if, if that was hindering God's forgiveness to me, I ain't making it. I'm not making it. If I am not forgiven of everything and I have something that's not under the blood, I'm in trouble. I've got a problem. And just by not forgiving someone else, you've got a problem. Because then your sins are not underneath the blood of Jesus Christ. They're not forgiven. And that's, that's a Pretty major thing. We can skim over some of these things. Well, it's the Lord's prayer. These are just little parables. No, this is actually just right where we live and breathe in our everyday walk, and our everyday life. Amen? Amen. This is Wednesday night. What a damage to a life is a grudge, an animosity, a bitterness, an anger. Because it eats away at your spiritual walk. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness... And mal- and wrath and anger and clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Amplified says that all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, perpetual animosity, or resentment, or strife, or fault finding, slander, be put away from you. Put away from you. This is what it says. Amen? Because it's, it's vital that we don't have these things in our lives. But Branham says, Lord, don't let me never. Have a root of bitterness spring up. Because it'll affect him. It'll take the Christ right out of my life. You think this is important? You say, ah, this is just, Brother Michael, this is too simple. No, this will take the Christ right out. Out of your life. If you let something just sit there. And it just starts to put those little feelers down in the dirt. And it starts to just kind of anchor down there. Something someone says. You dwell on it. And you're thinking about it. And you're like I didn't really like that. And it just starts to really root down. You have no clue. Nothing's coming up on the top. But it starts to put a root down. And that is a root of bitterness. And then it starts spring up. And that in itself will take the Christ right out of your life. That poison acids of malice and jealousy and hatred that will just take the Holy Spirit right away from you. It'll run him from the tabernacle here. It'll kill the spirit of God or drive it away from here. Hurt your pastor. It'll do everything. See, don't do that. Amen. Amen? Don't do that. It's just the Lord is just admonishing us. If you got something just a little there, forgive it. Let her go. Let all claim go from it, amen, because you don't want a little root of bitterness because it has drastic effects. You know, when you get a wound, you can get a wound, you can cut, get yourself cut or something, you keep it clean and keep it cleansed, put a little antibiotic, a little polysporin on it, everything goes good, put a little band aid there, you know, it's good. It heals, the body works. Does its thing. But if a bacteria or a foreign substance gets in there, you get infection. Right. Infection's bad. Okay? <laughs> You'd know, right? <laughs> you get pus, cloudy fluid in there, it just builds up. It gets, you know, maybe a little pimple starts to come, or a scab. The air becomes real reddened. There you get some streaks that start coming out from something that's infected. It gets, it gets actually heated. There's pain, more swelling. Fever can incur. It's infection. Infection bad. You leave a wound, you know, it it's, gets unchecked and, and you don't put any balm onto it. You don't put any proper care. But, it, you know, that just can keep going. You don't do anything. It actually can go all the way into the realm of sepsis, which the body goes into it. It starts releasing chemicals into your body to try and deal with this infection that's gone crazy. And that in itself then will take you down. You get what's called septic shock and you die. Like, well, it's just a little cut. Yes, but that little cut can fester if it's not attended to. And therefore, it can actually take the whole body down if just left unchecked. All right? You know, the sepsis is a serious medical condition, in fact. It does. Like I said, it releases chemicals in the bloodstream, causes blood vessels to leak and clot organs, like the kidneys and lungs. They won't get enough oxygen. Decreases the blood flow. You get decreased blood pressure. And 50% of the people that get it die. It's nothing to toy with. Clean your cuts put some polysporin on it and deal with it. That's in the natural. What about the spiritual? So that's just a little, little wound or something. It is something, something said, but you just leave it there and it, it just kind of sits there and you don't deal with it. You don't let it go. You don't let the balm of the Holy Spirit come in and just say, Lord, I just let that go. I just, uh, you know, I just, Forget about that. I forgive it. I just put that underneath and let and let the Lord have his way with that. No, he just let it there and you just start to you just start to think and ponder on it. And it starts to do more than just a little cut in your life, all right? I'll just tell you a little story. Two friends walking down the road, talking, discussing things of life, and they're just, you know, these are just friends having a good time, as friends do, and up came a topic that turned into more of a debate. It was became a heated debate. And then it turned into an argument and a heated argument, and finally high tensions. When it went so high that it's was just an issue in the friend just oh, and he shoved him and he just was upset with what he was saying it's not that way and he shoved him uh, you know down and he f- fell down and his, he fell into some debris of some such and he, he got up and he got a nail in his back yeah he got a you nail know, that would hurt not like it went crazy deep but he got a nail in his back Well, of course, the friend's like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. he's apologizing. He's, you know, I didn't know, you know, what I did. I just, I'm just so sorry about that. And the other friend says, yeah, well, it's your anger is an issue. And, and you should just get control of that. I said, well, you know, I'm sorry. He said, I'm just, I'm leaving the nail in there. So it reminds you of your anger problem. So the nail is now left in this friend's back. And as time goes on, he's like, can't we just deal with the nail? I'm sorry. You know, I didn't mean to do that. And no, you're going to remember that you have an issue. Deal with it. And there's a nail in my back about it. And it'll remind you. And he's like, come on, you know, you know, can we just be over this already? No. Well, what's going to happen? Well, that nail sat there for a little while and it became a problem. It became a problem in his back and he kept going there and it became infected. And it started to get worse. It started to impact his body. And it did exactly what I would said. It went into septic. And he died. It's a little nail. Now. That's just a fictional story. But the message still stays the same. How such something small. You can leave it there. And you can just let it sit there. Because you have a point to make about something. When it's actually hindering you. And killing you. More than the other person. You say, well, that's crazy. I never do that. I never leave a nail in my body. But maybe you have an emotional nail or maybe a mental nail or something that you've left left inside. And I'm telling you, if you do, it'll be infected and it's going to cause a problem for you. Maybe it already has. Psalms 147 says, we read this very first service of this series. And he says, he telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them by their names. You remember us reading that. We were talking about the universe. Wow, incredible. He knows them by their name. You know, the verse before that is the same one that can name every one of those stars, which is mind-boggling. The verse prior that says, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. That's the same God. The same one. That knows all those stars and can name them. He knows those wounds that you have. He knows the scars. He knows the hurts you bear. He knows the 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 issues that you've had. Maybe the sharp words, or maybe a situation, or maybe something where you're 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 you're, you're apart from something. He knows this, and he is the same one who can heal the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. I said, you know what? I am so thankful. That we serve a God that great and yet that caring into just my broken heart or my wounded heart. You know, some wounds are indeed very deep. You find it's those closest to you that can inflict the most deepest and painful hurt. It's the deeper the love, the more that it seems like it can fester. Because if there was no love there, it wouldn't matter to you. Someone did something to you that you didn't even know off the street. It was like, well, whatever. And you off you go. But when someone loves, when you get somebody that you actually really love, and something happens, there's, there's a, a crushing thing between you, that's the deepest of sores. I was just thinking, though, I said, you know, Jesus knows this. He knows this. He knows what that feels like. Because it was his daughter and son that I can't even imagine when he came down in the garden and walked that night and he's calling for Adam and he's calling for Eve. Where are you? Where are you? They didn't come over, they usually would, to have fellowship with him at night. And he's in the cool of it. he's yelling, Adam, Adam! And here they are hiding, yeah. trying to cover themselves. I can't even imagine the hurt. His son and daughter did that. That would have hurt Israel turned away from God all the time. He'd do something for them, and he turn they turn away. He'd do something for them, and he turn away. I, I just thought, Lord, you must have felt that. And how would when we do something? Why wouldn't we do something? I can't imagine that he. It must hurt him, because he loves you and I with such a great love. And if he does, and we do something, he say, oh. I'm so thankful though the blood is there. I'm so thankful the blood is there. When he, he looked and wrote pardoned on that and threw it in the sea of forgetfulness. Oh Lord. My goodness. I had a little example looking red, seeing red to red. Have anybody ever done that before? You've done that before? I did. I was going to have a demonstration, but you know, red, you got to do the right reds anyways. It's pretty incredible. When you look through red and at red, it's white. He's looking through the blood at your sin and he's seeing white, your sins, though they may be scarlet, they're white as snow. Amen. And if that's what he's looking through, you also must look through that same blood at every one of us. If we are Christ, if you say, well, I'm Jesus, Mrs. Jesus Christ, then the same blood that he saved you and forgive your sins, you better be looking through that same atonement at someone else. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm so glad we talk about the nail. I'm so glad Jesus didn't leave the nails in His hands. Say, look what you did to me. Lord, take the nails out. No, the nails are gone. And it's healed over. And instead of, instead of seeing what you did, see what pain, it's, it's more my love. No, I did this for you. It's all healed away. Look what I did for you. Amen. The power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. But Abraham says a pardon from God is a release from guilt. Now who's felt guilty before? Who's ever felt, just go back to before you were, when you were not saved, the weight of guilt, of sin. Or just think of anybody, little kid here, that's pulled out from the cookie jar and you've done something wrong. Yeah, you know it. That guilt's brutal. It weighs on you. Okay, that's like infinitesimal to the weight of sin. But Abraham but says a pardon from God is a release. Something has released you and there's no more guilt. Who are you holding back from a release? Who in our lives then, if that is what God's forgiveness and his pardon can do for us, then what about, what can you, when you're an extension of that, when you are a steward of that mercy and a steward of that forgiveness, and you can issue that out, who are you holding back from a release from that? You have that, that's what your power to do as a son and daughter of God. And think that you can release by forgiveness, give a release to somebody. What a feeling that is. That it's really, (laughs) I was singing a song, but her dance saying, I hear the sound of freedom. When you are released of a weight of a, of, of, of some situation. And that is just off of you because someone, maybe you've, you've made amends to something and it's just, and you've worked through it. Oh, the feeling of that. It's you're free. You're free. And you have the ability to issue that out. You have the ability. You are a steward of this grace and mercy. Say, don't hold back, don't hold back that forgiveness. Don't hold back the grace that you can actually. Someone needs a release. Amen. Here is a powerful quote, Brother Brandon. I'm going to read read it in its entirety. After the bride is raptured, will any of the foolish version be saved, or will they be lost? This is a question and the answers. He said, No. See, everything will be finished for the Gentile church when the bride is taken from the earth. The spirit of the God leaves earth. He that's filthy is filthy still. He that's righteous is righteous still. He that's holy is holy still. In other words, the sanctuary becomes smoky where the attorney stands to plead the case. Christ leaves the sanctuary. His day of mediatorial is over. Rapture comes. He leaves from the sanctuary, goes forth and takes the book of redemption, claims everything he redeemed. There's no more mediatorial work. How many understands that? I've got it on one of them seals. Yeah, the seals, I believe, was that Christ come forth to claim his mediatorial work. Now wait. He just says that. Now, just a minute. Will the foolish version be saved? No. Whatever happens, she happens now. And the time she's, after that time, she's in that, the state. Now she will have to go through tribulation. And the reason of it is, you ready for this? Because she has rejected the atonement in its fullness. Ponder that. Ponder it. Because she has rejected the atonement in its fullness. She didn't believe or accept that the blood of Jesus Christ could cover all sin. Think about that. And that is the hindering factor. She's not safe. She could not get there. She couldn't make it in from the foolish to the wise. Because she couldn't accept the fact that Jesus' blood wipes everything clean. My goodness. You don't want to be in that position. The atonement is complete. There's nothing left out. It's like, oh, this little sin, it covers all this, but not that. And the foolish version didn't, couldn't accept what Abraham's saying, can't accept the fullness of the atonement. My goodness. She's a believer, a professed believer, but she will have to go through tribulation, the Bible said, and the rest of them, dragons burned out water out of its mouth, etc. My. Foolish version didn't have oil in the scripture, in the parable, Didn't have the Holy Spirit to keep them pure and washed. Little issues held them obviously within. Grace and mercy was unextended. Issues? Do we have issues? Do we have struggles? Yeah, we do. But the Holy Spirit is the oil. It keeps you pure. It keeps you lubricated. It keeps everything running just the way it needs to be. They didn't have the oil. Creaky, starchy, unbending, and couldn't actually see that the atonement was in full and covered all sin. And so I admonish you, do not be in that position. And in our own lives, the abounding grace of God that came down to us, poured into us, then now needs to be extended out, and the atonement covers all sin. But Abraham says, "Now well, Satan will constantly punch at you until you're finished on earth. Just remember that. It ain't going to be easy. This isn't a little this isn't a picnic, you know? Just remember that he says you'll never have a time that you're not there's not punching going all the time because you're in a battle. Did you ask to come to Christ to come to a picnic? Did you? You say, oh, "I need a picnic and I'm going to give my heart to the Lord. I need a picnic." <laughs> no. No, we did not do that. Well, you're sure going to be surprised if you did because it's a constant battle. I've been on the field for 31 years, he says, and I fought every inch of the way. It's a fight. It's not easy. When we have a situation, it's not easy. And sometimes to let that go, it's not easy to say, Lord, I forgive them. I forgive. Them. I put this situation under the blood. It's not easy. It's a fight, not a picnic, but nonetheless, we must do it or your spiritual walk We'll die.. I'm sorry. It's a little, maybe a little sharp, I'm sorry. I'm just burdened. We can't get stuck there. We can't get our little squabbles or whatever we've got gone. We've got to make sure we can put this behind us. We can unify ourselves because it's a unified body, one accord, one mind. Now, forgiveness, I'll just touch on, we'll just come to a, try and come to a little bit of an end here. Now with forgiveness is something that you can do. Jesus, Brother Branham said in a quote, Uh, Have here he says every person that that ever has an ailment was healed at calvary Every sinner that ever was or will be was forgiven at calvary He forgave you at calvary It was done at calvary You didn't have you weren't there at calvary You weren't you weren't born yet But he forgave you there He forgave you at calvary And so It was it was christ did that without you essentially in the picture And forgiveness can be given. You can forgive without anybody else in the picture. You can let something go. You can put that... I just said, Lord, I I, I need you to put that under the blood. Something did something. And you you can forgive. That's between you and God. Okay? But reconciliation is a little different. That requires a couple parties. Because now to reconcile... When you reconcile to God, that was then you... Coming and taking the atonement and accepting the blood that was atoned for you on Calvary. Saying, Lord, by faith, I, I put my hands on that sacrifice. And you were reconciling yourself under that blood atonement. And you were then reconciled to God. Amen. He forgave you at Calvary. But the reconciliation needed for its incompleteness is when you came and acknowledged I'm a sinner. And I need Christ and I'm accepting the atonement of Calvary and reconciling yourself back to Jesus Christ. Amen. I it, so it takes, it takes both of you. So it takes uh, multiple people. Forgiveness can be on your own and between you and God. But if you're wanting to reconcile with somebody, you need to have both of them there. If you had an issue with somebody, you want to reconcile, you both got to get on the same page. You both want to make amends. You both, if one has to repent, whatever has to happen, but you both are wanting to do that. And you would want to do it, as the scripture says, uh, with fruits, meat of repentance. Because you want, you're not just going to reconcile with a situation that maybe is hurtful. All right, if there's a situation, you might not want to reconcile with that, it may need, to, you, but if someone is wanting, there's part, both sides, that reconciliation happens when both come together, or multiple parties come together, all with a desire, we want to have harmony again. All right? That's what reconciliation is. It's the act of reconciling parties at a variance, or the renewal of a relationship after disagreement or enmity. That's the state of being an enemy or hostile. We are at enmity with God. Until blood and atonement was made and it broke that. Amen? The act of harmonizing is reconciling. Bringing parties at variance. I'm so thankful that he reconciled and he made a way. I didn't, God didn't, I didn't have, um, let's just put it this way. I didn't, I wasn't the one with the, uh, the issue. I had all the issues I should say. And God provided the way, right? He he made, he made the atonement. He says, I did it. I paid for it. I paid the price, whatever was needed. I did it. I forgave you. I was the one in the wrong. (laughs) I was the one who had all the repenting to do. I was the one in sin. I was the one that was me, but he did it all. He made the first step. He made the first step. Oh, that's difficult, isn't it? <laughs> to sometimes, who's, who, I don't know, what do I do? No, no God said, I, I paid it all. I'm here. I want to reconcile with you. I, you're my son. Come back. Amen. Amen. Well, Scripture says in Matthew 5, 23. I'm just going to slip into another, another angle here as we end. Without reconciliation, I know some of these thoughts, you could pretty much have multiple services on. I'm just like flying right over top of them. And uh, I'm sure some of the other brothers can dive deep onto some of these areas. But without reconciliation, then there's no fellowship. You have to be reconciled to have fellowship. Amen? And Matthew 5, 23 says, Therefore... And we'll jump there, but let's get let's go through this first. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath an ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. So your gift, of praise, of sacrifice, of worship, whatever it is, as you come into the Lord in prayer, he's saying, park it there. I don't even want to hear it. Leave it there. You got an issue, you got a knot, you go deal with that. It's the scripture saying, first be reconciled to the brother. If you remember that thy brother has something against you, not you having something against it. If you remember, oh man, someone, uh, they have an issue with you, go to them. That's what Jesus is saying. Amen. That's the higher priority. Not your your gift of worship or your praise or your offering of worship to the Lord. That's actually not the priority here. The priority that Jesus is saying is, no, you go deal with the issue that you know is is in your life because I'm not even listening to it yet. Isn't that incredible? It's a little life checkup. Because if you're feeling like your spiritual walk is not quite where it needs to be, or like I'm dry as a bone, maybe just do a little say, you know what? Is there something I need to I need to deal with? Is there something I need to address? Do I, do I need to, do, Lord, I need to go talk to this person. It's not that you have necessarily something against them. It's if you know they have something against you. And like Jesus did, He did all of the work of reconciliation. He just needed you to, you to come and want it. He just, you come to the cross. Come, come to the, I've got the sacrifices. The price has been paid. He did that. He made that. And He's saying, you do the same. We are stewards of this. Brother Abraham says, don't ever let little ism or something, little other bad feeling ever rise up among you. Get it out of the way right now. It's the little fox that spoils the grapes, you know, so keep it out of the way. Little funny feeling. Go and tell the person to it. Say, I was wrong. I'm wrong. I don't feel right towards you or something. Help me pray over it. That'll get better because you don't want nothing but just purely the unadulterated Holy Spirit of God among us. That's all we want. Amen. That's all we want. Then the gifts, he said, and things will work. Everything will come up right. Amen. He says, why have half a church when you can have a whole one? Why accept a substitute when the whole sky is full of the genuine? We don't want that. Don't want, we don't want that. So if a little funny feeling ever comes up among you members, one another, you go to that person. He says, well, they did me. Then remember, not if, er- if you have error or fall against but if a brother has something against you, go to him to be reconciled. This is your prophet. Reconciliation. It brings that unstrained fellowship back. It's not this surface talk. You can have, you can have a lot of little surface talk, but you know there's a strain between you and another person and another brother and another sister. And it's strained. You can only kind of chatter on the frivolous topics, but you can never get heart to heart because there's something, there's a chasm in between and it needs reconciling needs reconciling. I'd say if we go back to last service the one thing that stops reconciliation in its tracks is pride. We talked about that. So you you want to talk think about it go back to that. But because pride it build it is a blockade. Because it can't, as we said last time, can't acknowledge the vulnerabilities and doesn't want to reveal those shortcomings. It doesn't want to, well, it wants to have the last say. Pride always wants the last say. Well, see, I knew you were wrong, but I'll let it go. No, 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 no. That's not going to reconcile appropriately. Or I deserve to be apologized to. No, God forgave you and me at Calvary without us deserving anything. Amen? So Do not let pride, there's no pride in God when he reached down his hand for you and me. Amen? Amen. Now here, here's a little here's a, here's a here's a quote. Let's anchor this one a little deep for you. He said, "Now we look at this watch." He's talking about a watch. You find out what time it is. He says, "Unless every little instrument in that watch is coordinating one with the other, and there's a lot of little uh, pieces." Now I have a digital watch here, but nonetheless, there's lots of little pieces. Go with a regular watch, and it's got even more pieces. And every little piece needs to be working just perfectly in harmony with each other you can't have one little gear off even just like a micro micro nanometer because it won't be in the it won't be in the right slot so then that thing won't tick and talk all right so watch every is everything has to be coordinating one with the other you'll never know the correct time is that right and that takes all of us all together if we want to see the third pole really do something for god it's coordination with every one of us together To humble ourselves before God, confess our wrongs, and pray and believe God for these things. Amen. If we really want to see something happen, you want to really want to see power in the church, we deal with all these things. We need to get into our lives, and we work, and we say, God, I need these under the blood. Or you need to go to somebody, maybe, and deal with something. Because when that's gone, then you can see the church in its full power. So I just ask, musicians, you can just make your way here. If we just, after this little service, like I said, just re- write down just maybe where we live every day. Not, not, you know, terribly, incredibly deep. But I'm just, you know, are we actually, are we being stewards with what we've been given? And we can, there's lots that we've been given, but I've just been focusing on on the grace, on this mercy. On this forgiveness that we have been given. Lord, help us be stewards of this, that it emits and it's now grace extended from our lives and not held in. If he's poured it in, Lord, let it pour out. Because like I said, that's, that's, we want to emit the love of Christ. If the Holy Spirit is in you, that love has to emit. And as one person said, grace and mercy—it's the double-sided coin of love. If you have, if you're emitting that, that is the love of Christ emitting from you, and it has to be. If you are Mrs. Jesus Christ, that has to come out of your life, Amen. And so, if we have situations that we need to look at, go deal with them. If we, have, if there's something in our life we've got a spout that's kind of plugged up, and we're not allowing that to be outpoured from our life, we need to look at that. If, maybe we haven't even received Jesus Christ yet. And due to maybe it's pride as we talked last night or an unwillingness to humble ourselves, we need to look at that. Maybe it's the family, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's whatever it is. But I said, Lord, grant an opportunity that a reconciliation can happen so that we can be a powerful body of Christ for His gospel. So that we're stewards together of this grace and mercy. Amen. We're together in this because we want our body. We want the body of Christ worldwide to be a mighty warrior and a mighty force in this last day. Amen. And with with reconciliation, as I said, fellowship is restored. Amen. Fellowship is an intimate or a deep connection or a union. That's fellowship. First John says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen. That's what reconciliation brings. This is what God ultimately desired. If you go through the whole plan of redemption, sure. everything that he's done, all through history, everything he paid, the, the, the what he went through at Calvary, and, and all of that, all of that, Because he desired pure fellowship with you. Amen. But Abraham said, God longs for fellowship. This is just powerful. His next two words. He yearns. What a word. He yearns for fellowship. Daniel, yearns for it with you. Think of this God That fills the universe that created the stars as we talked about. But he yearns for fellowship with you. And so he did all of that. So that he could speak to his people. And his people could speak with him. To talk with him. You might do one. You might sing too much, he said. As we said earlier. You might pray too much or preach too much, he said. Sometime. But there's one thing that you'll never overdo. And that's pray. I would that men... Pray everywhere. But Abraham says, lifting up holy hands. You'll never be able to have too much fellowship with God. That's why he wants, that's why reconciliation, that's what it's for so that you can come into fellowship with him. And you can't be in fellowship with him if you are at ought and issues with the body. That won't work. So fellowship with him, then it should admit fellowship divine with the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. So, as we bring it all together, grace abounding, as we talked about in the first uh, part, God had filled all eternity, outpoured Himself, grace outpouring, so that it might fill a little humble heart that would accept this great gift of beyond value and beyond price, reconciling me back to Him so that then I could then extend that out to those around me. Amen. And then even so, as Scripture said, and we read in the beginning, Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God bless you. I pray just, I know, like I said, it's a little down home for us. But this is where we are. And we have to just look inside and say, Lord, what have I got to deal with? Because I want to unstop everything. I don't want nothing hindering him being able to pour into me. And I just want that to flow out. I want his love just to outpour from my own life. And I just want to say, I want to, I want to sing the song, He Has Forgiven Me. And I know I put the words up there, right, David? We did put those words up there. and But there's one little part. When we're a steward, when, we're, when you're a steward, there's a parable of the servants. And I just thought, Lord, I wanted to end. What's the reward of a faithful servant? Ah. The Lord said unto him, Matthew 25, 23, What did the good and faithful servant? He said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Amen? A faithful steward. A true steward. Like God has entrusted you with his, his life inside of you. His grace and his mercy. You, that steward of that. When it's all said and done, he's going to say, enter into the joys of the Lord. But Abraham says there was a recording angel called a certain name and he taught about a dream. I'm going to take the time just to say this because this is the end. This is where we're going. He says, uh, I looked and way back there, here come a brother, and he said, he taught, this is a dream he had. And he's sitting way up in the back, in the back, in the corridors of glory. And he says, here come a brother, walking with his sister, walked up like that. The recording angel standing there by the side of Christ. Just a dream now, he says. And was watching, and their name was on there. It was found in the book of life. And he would look over in them and say, it is well done, my good and faithful servant. Now enter in. And I looked back where they was going, and there was a new world of joys. And he said, enter into the joys of the Lord. That's been for, been for yours since the foundation of the world. Oh, I thought I, uh, they'd go through there and meeting one another and just rejoicing and going over the mountains. Oh, different ones would be called. Glory he says, hallelujah. And we're all jumping up and down. And he's just rejoicing as he's seeing one after the other go through. Enter in. They wanted, and he said, then William Brenham's name was called. <laughs> I want you to put your name there. Then Michael Ray's name was called. Amen, Sister Margaret? But Kyle, amen. Then my name is called. Oh, he says, whoa, nervous and scared. <laughs> oh, and he starts to, oh my, you I know, mean, I can imagine we're going to walk, walking up there. They're all patting him on the back. Hey, amen. God bless you, Brother Brandon. God bless you, Brother Brandon. And he's just walking up nervously. Oh my, you know, this is quite a moment. And he came up, he said to those big ivory steps, Made that first step. And he stopped. He said, I want a good... He goes, I just wanted to get a good look at him from these steps. Good look at Jesus. And he said, something slipped in my arm. And it was hope. And he said, something slipped in my other arm. And it was Mita. And he says, and here we went. Walking home. Amen. That's where... That's what it's all worth. That's where we're going, saints. That's where when we can... He can say, when we hear, Thou good and faithful servant enter into the joys of the Lord you have your little wife or your family or whatever around you and you're going to go in and that together that's why we're preaching this gospel so that you can make it there amen let's stand and sing this I know we know that we've got to know the verses because I want to sing the verses I Know it might be a little tricky but you're going to sing them with me because I know what it's like to think of things I've done and want to run and hide myself in shame. Amen? I know what it's like to really hurt someone and feel no sense of sorrow and their pay at their pain. Hey, but I know what it's like to have enough of my disgrace, but I also know when Jesus' blood is covered and my sin has been erased because He has forgiven me. Amen? Let's sing that. Oh, I know Amen. to sleep in peace because your heart is clean when the accuser comes your way you can look him squarely in the eye there ain't nothing that's not under the blood you can say Satan my heart is clean amen and I have confidence to say he has forgiven me of all your sin you can just you say Satan just look through this I had a little red thing here where is it here? I did have it here. See this? I had a little red piece of paper. And I was going to put a red on the screen. You just put that in front of him. You say, Look through this, devil. I just want you to see what color you're looking like. Because red and red is white. So when he looks at me, he's looking at white, clean as snow. I'm pure as wool. That's me. So when you can look him squarely in the eye and you take him to this thing and you say, Look at me, devil, through this. Amen? But if you can't do that, you need to meet God. Amen? Because you want to be able to do that. You want to be able to say, I'm looking right eye to eye, Satan, because my God is looking at me white as snow. Hey, Amen.
1: He has.
3: Lord, those are the sweetest words, Lord. That I am sure could have been spoken, Lord. As we spoke even last week of the little sister at your feet, Lord, and her sins, which were many, are forgiven. Lord, those are beautiful words, Lord. When our sins, which were many, Lord, our weight of sin, Lord, it wouldn't. We were born in sin, Lord. So even those that might say, "Well, I didn't do much." Of anything wrong per se, you were born in sin, and therefore your sins were many, and you're weighted with the guilt of sin. But Lord, your blood and we can has covered us, and we can say He has forgiven me, Lord. Tonight, now may we live that, Lord, in our our world, and our lives, our walks of life, and our work and our family, and our friends, Lord, if you've forgiven me, Lord, may that same grace, that same love, that same mercy, that same forgiveness, the same joy, the same peace, Lord, with all that that was poured into us, Lord, may it now extend and outpour out of each of our lives, we pray. Lord, we commit the rest of the night to you. Thank you, Lord, for your people your blood-bought, Lord, chosen ones, Lord, may they go forth as stewards, Lord, of this gospel, Lord, in ministry of reconciliation, as your word said, Lord, and may now we go forth, Lord, looking for even that last one, Lord, that we can stand strong, Lord, to the last day as it approaches, Lord. We're right at the end, Lord. Let us not falter, not one little bit, as we stand firm on your word to the very end, that we can hear those wonderful words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in, Lord. We love you, Lord, and commit the people and those that would drive home into your hands. Be with the ones that are at home. May your presence be in their little rooms. We love each one of them, Lord. And we're praying, Lord, that this whole situation, this world will come to an abrupt end. Take it, Lord, in your grip, Lord, and just annihilate this virus. Lord, we could be together again, but Lord, your will be done above all of our desires. Lord, your will be done, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening, safe drive home, and a wonderful week. God bless you, Kyle. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.